0: right, we're going to talk wide receivers today as we wrap up our position breakdowns here on the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast, episode number 72. James Adams, along with myself, Dan Claskins, back with you here, and we're with you all summer long over on SiriusXM. You can catch us weekend mornings, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, and always on our podcast wherever you subscribe, including Apple, Google Pay, Spotify, to name a few, and uh, you'll also want to check out insiderfootball.com for the podcast and all the tools to win this season, including our Fantastics draft advisor available for you now. And uh, back with me here again, James Adams. And James, I'll tell you, here we are, my friend, our final position breakdown. We're flying through these podcasts, obviously, but wide receivers where we save the position for last that everybody wants a piece of this year.
1: And the position that everybody will get more than one piece of, they will get two and three and four and five and six, and not to be LeBron James, but maybe even more.
0: Yeah, uh, getting wide receiver drunk, are you? I mean,
1: (laughs) well, why not?
0: (laughs) I'll tell you what, dude, it it is a pretty good taste and drink when you get a good one, right? Uh, Last year, across the board, a number of wide receivers that really helped the owners and managers to fantasy championships and Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I mean, these are just the two biggest names. Obviously, we know we had some injuries we'll talk about with guys like Cooper Cup and We're going to get into all the players. Before we take a dive into the players, the position as a whole, as we mentioned, James, a lot of changes going on around the league. I know in the running back podcast, I alluded to the discrepancies in the NFL salaries, right? Uh, 32 wide receivers with contracts of at least 10 million, only 10 running backs making that kind of dough. So we've heard a lot about that in the news, but statistically as well, James, as fantasy managers are building rosters, I mean, The floor at the position has really risen, especially in these last five or six years.
1: I mean, guys are throwing 5,000 yards or close to it anyway, and there's just more passing yardage to be had in the NFL. That means there's more receiving yardage to be had in the NFL, and certainly wide receivers will be the main beneficiary. So it just makes sense, right? It's the way this game's evolving. How many Um,
0: receivers in the league last year do you think finished with 700 yards or more?
1: With just, 700 just completely yards guess.
0: Seven hundred yards receiving or more. How many wide receivers do you think did it in twenty twenty two? Forty two. Forty two. That's a pretty good guess. Forty four. How many? Oh,
1: dang! I was close.
0: How many do you think caught at least sixty passes? I mean, just uh, forty
1: five.
0: Pretty close again, forty three. dang dude. I'm taking you on <laughs> prices right, fantasy. well, when
1: right I, I I figured the two numbers were gonna be close. So the first guess was great. The second was more of a game theory guess based on the that where or, I was guessing the host had picked his borderline.
0: There you go. A lot of those guys are this on the same list, obviously. But the put the point, forty something, james, forty something of these players on there, and you figure your average fantasy team, I mean five, six wideouts in a shallower league. Uh, so just do the math, right? I mean, Everybody's going to have at least three wide receivers that are pretty solid. It's those bye weeks. It's getting the consistency. It's knowing your format. I totally approach wide receiver differently in best ball lineups compared to season-long setup lineups because I still covet the elite receiver in best ball, but wide receiver two and three and four in best ball are devalued in my opinion because if you don't have to worry about hitting the guys, it's the consistency factor that separates a guy from being a wide receiver three and a wide receiver
1: five. Yeah, but then when we start talking about these actual tiers of players and I look at the tier and the way it drops off, I've found myself looking at my best ball builds and going, eh, maybe I'm changing yeah, my mind. I mean,
0: I not. see I see I'm seeing your best ball builds, but uh, you know, i I'm just saying, I mean, we could have different strategies. Oh, I've certainly. Been, I certainly I definitely have seen it pay cash dividends by approaching it that way. And so, you know, that's the way I do it. But the bottom line is to what I'm getting at, is there's plenty of productive receivers to still be found in the mid rounds of drafts.
1: Sure. And I mean, even after you get to those 40, whatever that meet those uh, plateaus you talked about, there's still going to be guys after that, that didn't play a full season, but still were on pace for that or guys that had a couple of good weeks that made the difference in those best ball lineups too. So it's not just going 45 deep boy. It goes a lot deeper than
0: that. Yeah. And I definitely think to, when you look at receivers are there I mean we can sit here and talk our normal stuff about oh yeah the tears and we're gonna load these guys front heavy and we, we could certainly preach it I mean we've been preaching it all really for a couple years now or if not longer on on these shows but the thing is James if you look at receivers what are some you know one of the things we love at Fantastics is it's the most predictable position right mm-hmm. because you don't have the injuries and the target and the target share and the percentages and the team's pass down ratios. And I know, you know, Anthony Perry come uh, comes on our show and preaches to it. Anytime anybody will listen, you know how they perform in clutch situations, third, you know, some of these third down indicators and near the red zone. There's just so many great metrics to allow us to project more accurately that position than the others that have more of that uncertainty or, uh, then we've seen at least, you know, over the lengthy period of time, like not necessarily last season stats went out. Every season's a little different, but over the long court haul, it is the most predictable position. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what types of things scare you at receivers? Like as an example, um, you know, and receiver with a new quarterback. Uh, sometimes that could be something that I'm not going to, I mean, if it's an improvement quarterback could actually have a benefit, but it is something to take into fact of like that chemistry, right? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, some of these other things like that that you might look for in a situation that might help you decide between two receivers you have in the same tier per se.
1: Uh, that's certainly something that would scare you, change a change of quarterback, not knowing who likes who and who throws the ball to who. Uh, something that could change, scares you too is when father time comes calling because it comes calling for everybody. And we like that receivers have a longer shelf life, but it doesn't mean it's forever. Uh, things that could scare you, changing coaching staff, changing philosophy. That certainly can scare you. What about people showing up in the front door that are just better than you? Um, so, uh, a receiver heavy drafter, I mean, look, we'll get to Arizona. I've been kind of making the joke about how Dorch is in their starting lineup right now. And I'm not telling you that I want to have him on, uh, any of my fantasy rosters, but he could be like a pick wide receiver 100 last best ball pick and you go well heck he's gonna have some weeks where he catches a few balls because there's no one else there somebody shows up in the door there he's no longer a name we goof about he's a name we've forgotten and not even talk about it's
0: funny you're saying that because i I was going to use as another example when i made the quarterback change i mean maybe a a bad thing that i look at as a receiver is like man did their team get drastically better since last year yeah sure right because If you know that a team's only going to win four or five games, chances are they're throwing the ball four quarters a game almost every week. Yeah. Right? You get a team like, let's say, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, have we seen in some of the recent years uh, where they don't throw a lot anyway and they have a lot of success. I mean, they only throw the ball 35 times a game. We all know Tennessee. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. It was nice he landed there. We know where he's at now, but we also know that, hey, this team still runs the football more than the average team.
1: Yeah. I mean, what was bad news for Traylon Burks? DeAndre Hopkins showing up. Yeah. Because he's going to get some of the targets and there aren't that many to be having. Some of those are pretty
0: obvious. I guess what I was looking for are other indicators. I mean, we use third down indicator, red zone percentage, how many times they're getting looked in the red zone. Um, I I mean, third down
1: percentage is what I would say. Red zone percentage gets a little bit light because there's just, there are more third downs than there are red zone trips, generally speaking throughout the course of the season. So third down indicator, if you're looking for something like, is because it's a, it's a player that can be trusted. Uh, it's a player that when, I mean, we talk about it, if you don't advance on third down, you turn the ball over, you lose the football. The most prized thing outside of uh, more points on the scoreboard is having the football in your possession. So, when the quarterback looks to you on third down, that's significant.
0: No doubt about it. And I think when we talk about roster construction, as well as we've talked about at the other, you know, running back, especially in our last podcast, is I do like to have a variety of positions. And I do think receivers, you have your deep threats, your big play guys, right? Your Brandon Cooks of the world. It's the guys mm-hmm. that, man, they could have a big day and it really blow up. Uh, and then you have, your other guys that are more like your Jacoby Myers, right? Uh, The guy's never going to score a touchdown, but he's almost a mortal lock for five catches and 60 yards every week. You can put, you can pencil the 12 points in the lineup. Yep. And regardless of the format, best ball, you know, it certainly plays in it, but I think even in season long, uh, the idea of, you know, I I don't want to have just a bunch of PPR dudes. I want to have, you know, those big play guys because I want to win some high weeks. But I also like to win games, so it's nice to get that consistent production. And, you know, after you get to your – everybody wants a wide receiver, one that does both. But, you know, as I get to my wide receivers three, four, five, and six, I don't want all the same types, right? Because maybe I'm a big underdog and I need that upside swing. Or maybe I'm a decent favorite and I just want to get the floor that week and having those types of receivers. There's definitely – we come up with a list of floor receivers – and we come up with an upside receiver, especially when you get into those fringe flex pieces and bench guys and bye week fillers.
1: Yeah, sure. Do you want to play Tyler Boyd or Zay Jones this week? Do you? Are you shooting for the fence with Zay, or are you taking a couple the Tyler Boyd couple points? I'm right there with you. And it's good, like you said. That's not necessarily. It's not like, oh, hey, I want to have one of each in my lineup every week. Hey, what do I need this week? Two what of my guys are on bye. Th- I need that. Right I need now. that Gabe Davis this week instead of that uh, Jarvis Landry. Absolutely.
0: Handcuff, and we you know we went different on the running backs and and it's a bigger thing on running backs is there cases where you could handcuff a receiver
1: yeah, uh, kind of I mean, didn't we try that with Tyree Kill and miko Hardman and there wasn't a whole lot to you know, and... I
0: would say one example that I could think of if I played in a larger league where you know roster uh spots were plentiful is maybe maybe if you've got Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, you put a Josh Palmer on your bench slate.
1: that's fair. That's fair. Um, But I think the last thing you said is the most key is late. Because unlike running back where, and even still now, where you have multiple guys playing in the same week, where there's a, oh, this guy's hurt. Maybe at this point it's almost quarterback. Maybe unlike quarterback where if player A gets hurt, player B comes in and compiles all the stats. That's not the case really at many places anymore with running back there are a few instances that's not really the case with with receiver either right I mean we're already drafting multiple guys off the team doesn't the two sort of become the one right like when Jamar Chase comes down Higgins was the one it wasn't like Tyler Boyd became the one or it wasn't like uh uh oh number 16 the long blonde hair he looks like Adam Cole I can't think of his name now Trenton Irwin Uh, it's not like he all of a sudden became the one because he was Jamar Chase's handcuff. Everybody just kind of falls up the pecking order a little bit. So I don't know that there's a true handcuff.
0: Fair enough. I think also receivers, a position during the season that probably more so than any, you can play that wide receiver cornerback matchup, right? Sure. You can see uh, it's harder to do that with running backs. I mean, in terms of matching them up to specific players or specific types of coverage, but as time goes on, more and more data is available for us to assess and, and making those weekly decisions for our lineups based off of
1: that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because unlike uh, the running back, where you still got to kind of have to run the football a little bit here and a matchup's a matchup. Receiver, like you get a lockdown corner, whether it's Sauce Gardner now, it used to be Revis Island. Pick your poison with. With your name, you maybe just say, "Okay, look, if you got a number one, like a top five receiver, you're still probably playing him there." But we've seen years, years upon years, where Mike Evans was getting locked up by oh, the disrespect because I'm not going to remember the cornerback's name. He's been thrown out of the game trying to fight the guy, and I can't think of his name now. But Mike Evans was getting locked up by that cornerback in New Orleans, game in, game out, and it got to the point where you just said, "You know what? We're not even playing him." You talking
0: about Marshawn Lattimore?
1: I think so. Isn't that who it was? I don't remember. I'm such a bad person for not knowing it because he's, he's, he's a boy. He's probably a hall of famer.
0: I know. I know every time they, they, they scuffle and they both were ejected last year after their fight. I'm sure that's who you're talking about, but yes, Uh. either way, I hear what your point is on that and strategies, but let's get in it. Let's get into some players. I mean, there, there's certainly many of them that I want to discuss here. And we talked about it at the top. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Right now, the consensus number one ADP, the blended ADP inside the software, one one. I mean, Chase is one oh two. I mean, these are the two dudes that typically are the first receivers going off the board. Uh, our Fantastics Draft Advisor, as it tiers players, it's really those two along with Cooper Cup, assuming because it's really projecting him as if he's going to play a full slate of games. And Tyree Kill is really the top four at the position.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you argue with that. For me, Tyreek Hill was uh, in my thought process of number, you know, in that if I have the top three picks, maybe uh, Tyreek Hill was certainly in that mix. I guess there's a little reason to be concerned uh, with him, maybe seeing uh, some disciplinary action from whatever went down in some boat marine on the I mean
0: that's not like an Alvin Kamara type. It's pretty speculative at this point because there's no charges filed in this instance.
1: Yeah. So, uh but yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? He's talking about getting to 2000 yards and I don't disagree with the chance that it could happen. If Tua plays 17 games and Tyreek Hill plays 17 games, I mean, 2000 yards is legitimately a chance given the way they throw, they 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 funnel the football to just those two receivers a ton.
0: Yeah. Uh Tyreek Hill is just one of those players that uh I mean, there's just volume is one thing, but I mean, when he gets the ball in his hands, Goodness can happen on any play. And you look at, I mean, he finished last year as the second best receiver in fantasy with 347 fantasy points, 1.96 points per target, and 170 targets. That's 11 more than he ever saw as a chief. 70% completion rate, 31% red zone success rate. Uh, And really, it boils down to me with him and Waddle. Is Tua going to avoid the concussion? Mm Mm-hmm. Because if he does, there's no doubt that Tyree Kill could just be right up there in the same breath as Jefferson and Chase, and you can say the oh, same yeah. thing about Cup. Um, I definitely think in Cup's case, there's uh, he, you know we go back to floor versus ceiling. Cup has a higher floor on a
1: weekly basis, though, in oh, my yeah. opinion,
0: especially in PPR leagues. Given He's trusted the-
1: on those third downs. You better believe that.
0: So I will, I will take any of those four wideouts as my sure. wide receiver one on my fantasy team this year, and feel pretty good about it, James. Yep. It's after that tier where it gets interesting because I especially think the demand for these wide receiver ones is pushing a lot of guys up into the tier, and it's a pretty big tier when you really start to look at it. I mean, no matter who you talk to, they're going to have their different guys who will be at the top of tier two.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I guess CD Lamb would be at the top of the tier for me because I feel like he's... About as safe as it gets. You wanted to say AJ Brown was the top of your tier there, okay? If you were, you know, crazy like me, maybe I'm on Ross St. Brown fits at the top of that tier. Certainly, Diggs has been a player who he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and an explosive offense could be there. Uh, Devontae Adams, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of question mark there, but we know his target share and his abilities there too. So, I think that's uh, I think that's where you get to that group of receivers and. Maybe you have an answer there, but check the sites ADP or drafting on and make sure your answer and their answer are the same. Or maybe you can pick two of them, get your two favorites well, out of there. You're starting the to make
0: my next point. I'm sort of getting here is based off of your way you want to construct your roster, and you want to get these wide receiver ones, the these guys in this second tier that we still consider wide receiver ones, like. It's pretty deep, right? So it's. It, it, does that suggest that James Adams, based off everything you told me here in, in these last po- couple podcasts, that you prefer to pick in the latter half of round one so you can maybe book in two of these stud wideouts?
1: I either want to pick early in the first round or late in the first round. I don't want to be in the middle. So yes, if I'm not getting one of the studs we just mentioned at the top because I really do in the end if it's not Kelsey, I want a receiver in the first round more or less in all my drafts. And yes, if it's not one of the very first picks, I do want one. How of the many very shares last picks.
0: of Eckler and McCaffrey combined do you have right now?
1: Very little. It's mostly uh, McCaffrey a little more because if I have like a third or fourth If I have a fourth pick, I'm probably taking McCaffrey. If Hill, the other two receivers are off the board. Kelsey had been kind of slotted in as six to five for me. Um, So McCaffrey a little bit. Eckler, I do have some, though, because when you get to the middle of the first round and he's there, like everybody else is like me, like, oh, I don't want this. You can't deny, though, that he has to be picked there.
0: Yeah. Any other things on the strategy side, James, before we start diving into some more player discussion?
1: Only this, and I thought about this, uh, you know, reflecting from the running back thing and the way running backs are are depressing down the board. If there's going to be running back value and you're going to want to be taking running backs uh, as the value continues to present itself, it almost forces my hand to want a receiver even more in round one, so that I'm not looking at running back value and already having too many running backs on my roster. So. If that's not like a a bit of a paradox, I'm not sure what is. But it's, yeah, I I really want a receiver in the first round so that I can take advantage of value at other positions and not have to take receiver or just take more receiver.
0: Yeah, I think that's well said. Let's dive into some of the players. Uh, Let's start with some breakouts this year. Who are some wideouts that you would put in this category?
1: Well, I mean, you no longer look at like first year or second, third year, guys, excuse me. You look at second. Um, I think you got to look at a pair of Chiefs receivers, and he one is a third-year, I guess, at this point, Kadarius Toney. Can he stay healthy? He is certainly in a position now where there's a little bit of a question mark in the backfield. There's a ton of question mark across the uh, receiving core. Is it Kadarius Toney breaking out? You go straight there to that same receiving core, Sky Moore. Is there a breakout coming there? Um, he's a second-year guy now. They drafted him to wait and sit for a little bit, and he did just that this year. But now uh, the opportunity sits there for him. Uh, maybe replacing Juju Smith-Schuster, will he get that entire piece of the offense? We'll see. But, I mean, that's what you're looking for, for me, in a breakout as a late draft pick receiver like that in a high-profile offense.
0: Yeah, Kadarius Tony's certainly a guy on the list. Uh, I was happy to get him as my wide receiver for on my Scott Fishbowl team. Uh, mm-hmm. that was uh certainly a pleasant treat but you're right it's these young guys and, and, and chris Olave. i mean that's an obvious one right um you talk about second year players very much uh fits the bill here um you know came in last year sort of a little bit with winston a lot with dalton um now derek Carr's coming in the stability there a second season in the league he's a back end wide receiver one and A lot of boards. Fantastics, we're not quite as optimistic on him inside of our draft advisor tool. I mean, uh, currently a blended ADP inside the software at 307. We're talking about a fantasy value more in the mid to late fourth round. Um, And as the draft advisor points out here, his 14.5 yard perception rate makes uh, his 61. Uh, percent or uh, excuse me yards per reception make his 61 percent reception rate a little bit more acceptable here James but uh it really doesn't have a lot of competition for targets especially if Michael Thomas isn't healthy again so I think that will be a factor Traylon Burks another one that could have been on this list obviously the addition of Hopkins and an already uh, uh an already thin passing attempt offense doesn't really help the matter but I think we still see his Arrow pointing in a positive direction, especially long-term. George Pickens, another guy. You're talking about Mm -hmm. these second-year players. Uh, He's intriguing with Pittsburgh, although I like Deontay Johnson, the veteran, a little bit more at their current ADPs because I do think that he, going back to this weekly floor, offers a lot more than we see in Pickens, who certainly has a low floor at times.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you look at both of those players, and one thing they have in common, the quarterback taking that year-two step is it going to be the year two step that Trevor Lawrence took? I highly doubt it, but it could be, or it doesn't have, necessarily have to be for both of those players to show um, significant val- value increase. Uh, you In that Burks area, man, I'll give you Jahan Dotson, player coming out of that, you know, in that second year group. So I don't know if second year is when you break out now. Sometimes it's first year, depending on the draft pedigree. But Jahan Dotson, I think they've got to figure out what's going on at quarterback but we saw him in the second half; had four quality starts, and uh, he's certainly a player I'm buying into. And I'm looking, I'm hoping for a breakout, but I'm buying into it because I believe it's coming.
0: Yeah, and the final one of those guys, Christian Watson. Uh, yep. You know, here's a player I know that you know he got a lot of bad press for you know coming from North Dakota State, like he did. Clearly, a quarterback's change. Um, we he had a great uh, success in the red zone last season, but. Without those touchdowns, uh, didn't really you know, see much else. So if they don't have as many red zone opportunities as they did with Rodgers, there is some risk to it. So I'm not going to reach too high for Watson, but I am enamored by the talent. And if Jordan Love uh, ends up being a positive addition here, uh, this is a guy that certainly could really take a leap forward this year.
1: Yeah, the talent's there, uh, that's for sure. And, I mean, again, look, I know it's—it's it's, uh, everybody depends on their quarterback. This is a pretty interesting quarterback situation to monitor as this preseason moves on.
0: For sure. Let's go from breakouts to bust and start with uh, some names that come to mind for you.
1: Dude, I've been saying DeAndre Hobbs is getting drafted way too early already. I mean, he was going, like, in the early 20s at wide receiver at some point in these best balls. Now he goes. Now he's found a home. It's not the home that people were hoping for. So maybe that ADP gets depressed as he start if people start to realize that he's on a run first offense. But I thought he was a bust before. I don't know his if his ADP still hasn't really
0: it. moved uh, over the last few weeks from the addition. So I think what didn't happen is it didn't go up. Yeah, like people were hoping it would have. Clearly, if he had landed with Kansas City or Buffalo or a more high-powered passing attack, sure. Uh, I'm with you though. Um, I'll add another name to the list of breakout, or uh, excuse me, bust Bust. here. And this is only based off of where they're getting drafted. Uh, You know, guys that are going too high. And I'm I'm just going to go right off of the software. Uh, And Garrett Wilson, pretty high up. And you know, there's no question in the talent. This guy is a high pedigree, high pedigree receiver. But James, I've seen him go earlier and earlier. Now he's in the mid round
1: two. Mm-hmm.
0: And as the draft advisor points out, he's early fourth round value. So yes, it could, he could certainly deliver on round two value. And I'm buying into the guy as, as talent here. What I'm concerned about is I'm not so sure I'm buying into Rogers being a success here in New York.
1: Yeah. I mean, the o line's still not good. You get I into think-
0: a second round pick for a receiver. Uh, it's pretty much got a hit. This one's got a little more risk to it than I like at that spot.
1: Yeah. I, you're not going to get any argument from me there. I'm totally with you on that one.
0: Uh, but again, I like Garrett Wilson. I think the dude is certainly a stud, uh, in terms of talent. And if I had a piece of him in Dynasty, I mean, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I liked him a lot better when he was going around three, you know, four months or four weeks ago. Uh, But as far as high-end guys, there's really not a big name up there that I'm scared of in those first few rounds. So I guess it's like, all right, going a little bit deeper down the board. Are there some names, guys that are going a little overdrafted? I know we talked a little bit about Calvin Ridley in a previous podcast, New Faces and New Places. Again, love the talent, James. But, I mean, he's being drafted as a top-20 receiver and he didn't even play last year. He's got the new quarterback. So again, we're talking about risk now. If he's in round five, and you know he's he's at that fringe spot, I mean, I I get it, but I just don't have many times I pulled the trigger on him. I'm getting a lot more of Christian Kirk or some other receiver in that tier altogether. A little yeah. bit later.
1: No, I'm with you there as well. And I think what happened uh for for me with Calvin Ridley, on top of what you've just said, is I have some best balls, or I'm sorry, some dynasty shares. So it's like all right, I've already got enough of what I need here and we saw how well they spread the ball around. I mean, does Chris Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram go away? Uh they is ETN go away? Like I think Ridley's great for the team is was that team great for Ridley's fantasy value? I don't know that Ridley cares, but for us, we do, and I'm not sure that that was the best place he could have ended up.
0: The other name uh, I'm going to throw out there and to wrap up my names is the name we already sort of mentioned and is earlier. And it's, it's not that he's being overdrafted by any measures. I'm just not touching Michael Thomas. No. Like, I don't care until he's actually out there and regularly and we're seeing some things. I don't care how far down the draft board he wants because I just don't trust he's going to be on the field.
1: I'm not going to have 14 red crosses on draft day. That's not happening. Michael Thomas, no way I'm drafting him. I mean, players of his ilk. Um, I mean, we've talked about it pretty much all preseason long. I'm scared of guys that are injured coming into the year. I don't know if Michael Thomas is injured or just just doing something. I don't know what's up with him, but I have no interest in finding uh, any more about it. Dan, there's another player I would say that I, I don't know if he count he counts as a bust given the fact that he missed some time last year, too. But Hollywood Brown's a player that I'll avoid as well, uh, kind of because of the quarterback injury and and the fact that I don't know what's going on with that team.
0: Yeah, I understand. I think uh, there's, there's a lot of players that it, it's not as much them as just the growing amount of questions on their team. It's like mm-hmm. you can't take that leap of faith, and I certainly consider him one of those guys, too. I, I think – You know, If we look at other players that are more 5th, 6th, 7th round picks, uh, it gets a little harder to really distinguish. But one name that I just haven't been grabbing a lot of in that 6th, 7th round is Michael Pittman. And there is recency bias. I had him on a few teams last year. But as enamored as I am with Anthony Richardson uh, and his arrival under center, I'm not so sure that's a good thing for Pittman here. Uh, And from a lot of the stuff I've been reading and just seeing some of these beat writers that cover the team on Twitter. I mean, there is a lot of buzz uh, still about Pierce and just the way they do things. And I mean, Richardson, we all know he's raw. The only reason we like him as much in fantasy is because he could run for 90 yards. a game potentially, but I mean, Michael Pittman, I'll take him if he falls far enough, but he's not a guy that I'm like, absolutely have to have as my wide receiver three. And that's all he is at right now, even for the people that like him.
1: I like him. Give me
0: Brandon. Ayuk. give S- me y Christian Kirk. Three. Give me, you know, I mean, I'm looking at seventh round receivers. Uh, I, there's other guys I like. Dude.
1: I like Ayuk better. I'll get you. I'll get, I can get what you there.
0: Any other names you want to add to the list?
1: Nah, I think I hit him. I mean, you know, Mike Williams is probably a player. I don't know if he counts as bust alert anymore, but I could just see the, uh, offense. Uh, you know, they've, if Keenan Allen stays healthy, I'm a big believer in Quentin Johnston. We'll see how that plays out.
0: No doubt about that. Uh, It's going to be interesting to watch that whole thing. And Mike Williams, I mean, there's another guy, it could very well be a bust alert because you have a new arrival, Quentin Johnson, there's injury concerns. I mean, um, and you know, there's injury concerns with a lot of receivers, but not a lot of receivers are being drafted in round five right now. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, round six, wherever, wherever he's going. um, injury concern receivers, I mean going that high. I mean there's not very many on the list that have more scared fear uh, of getting hurt to I me mean, than Mike Williams.
1: Mhm. I'm with you.
0: Uh all right. So from bust to bounce backs, what are some guys that uh really had terrible years last year that we think could turn it around?
1: Well, I mean there's certainly the injury talk, right? So you could make Cooper Cup uh the easy early answer because of that uh I mean, I don't know if it was a terrible year, Dan, but Brandon Cooks is a player I continue to get excited about, maybe too much so. Um, Last year was not what he had been used to in that run of 1,000-yard seasons. He had 700 receiving yards last year, 699 to be exact. I think Brandon Cooks uh, goes into an offense where I know McCarthy wants to run the ball, but there's a great void between... Um, the loss of Dalton Schultz. And I don't know if Schoonmaker's ready to be the guy who fills in that void his rookie season. I look at Brandon Cooks. I think there's a chance for a big bounce back back to that um, near thousand yard mark. Maybe not all the way.
0: Okay. Okay. I can get behind that. I, I think he definitely is in an improved situation uh and i mean goodness i mean they should have traded him i mean they should have got something for him but it's the texans right they they mess it up all the time <laughs> on these things it's they make bad
1: trades so they try not to make a bad one
0: i'm going both bronco wideouts sure i'm bouncing back that whole offense really i think sean payton is going to make a big difference and i get the concern like with javante williams with the acl i'm specifically just talking about the healthy players I, i'm in on all of them on the adp even russell wilson uh, not that I'm targeting him per se, but Jerry Judy is a guy that, I mean, he came in with a high pedigree and I'm not sure, sure. He's great value right now, but I'm comfortable taking him in round five. Uh, yeah. and I expect that, you know, last year, I mean, he did have his best season of 972 yards, 67 catches, hundred targets, but I expect more targets, more catches and even better numbers this year. And a, certainly a, a big opportunity for him to get more than six passing touchdowns here. Um, he only saw 11 red zone targets, though, so, so he's got to get a little bit more volume. And Cortland Sutton, the further down he drops, James, the more I'm interested. Uh, i mean I'm with you. I got him almost, I think I think it was like 40, wide receiver 46 or something off the board on my Scott Fishbowl team, I think. Uh, and, I mean, wide receiver 46, Cortland Sutton? I mean, I get that he got hyped up and didn't deliver last year, but I still like what I see in this guy.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm with you right there. I think the Broncos are an interesting team to stack in these best balls because every player is readily available if you're ready to take that pick. I don't know if it counts as a bounce back. I mean, it doesn't because he got hurt. But Tim Patrick, I mean, look, you're talking about last receiver off the board. I'll take a peek at him. I don't I don't know if he's going to be uh, impactful coming off the ACL, but uh, I'm with you that this whole Denver receiving group is certainly looking poised to bounce back.
0: I also, I already sort of teased it earlier, but I put Deontay Johnson on this list because I mean, last year, I mean, it was just terrible. He only connected on 59% of his targets, only 882 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, it was the, the official Fantastics projection inside of our draft advisor tool and, uh, 81 catches, 908 yards, six receiving touchdowns. I mean, what a big difference. Even those meager numbers would have here. Uh, but I'm with you. I think Kenny Pickett, and I'm not saying the dude's the next Joe Montana or anything, but uh, I do expect progression. And I think uh, there's a big opportunity for Johnson to deliver on his current seventh round ADP. And our draft advisor said he's offering at least a, a round of value at that point right there.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I was burnt last year, but the offense can't get worse, right? It's got to grow second year. So, I don't see uh, – he was a player that d- demanded a lot of targets previously, and it would seem to be the clear-cut guy to be a big target the, – the top target getter again this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the only other name I had on my list in terms of bounce-back players that uh, definitely could pick it up a little bit is a little further down the board here, uh, but it's Rashad Bateman. Um, I know he was hurt, but – Dude, this is the Ravens receiver at ADP that I want the most. I, I I don't mind Beckham in 12th or 13th round if he's your wide receiver five because what are you risking? Mm-hmm. Uh, Flowers, I mean, he's going to take time to develop. I mean, I do like the talent. He reminds me of a little Steve Smith. But Bateman, it's all about health. If this guy stays healthy and Lamar Jackson stays healthy, he's absolutely going to give value on his current 12th round blended ADP. And even if he's in the eighth or ninth round as a wide receiver four, this guy, especially in best ball, is a target for me.
1: You don't have Darnell Mooney on your list?
0: Well, Mooney's way down on my list, but yeah, I mean...
1: Okay. uh, Because you kind of turned me on to him, and I thought, well, Darnell Mooney is currently poised to bounce back after a bad last year and a good two years ago. Well,
0: let's add him to your list, and I'll I'll (laughs) verbal retweet it.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Maybe Miko Hardman fits as a good bounce-back candidate uh, because he didn't do a thing last year after a couple of, like, 500-plus-yard seasons. Um, I mean, I don't know that his quarterback situation got interesting but or got better but it got interesting and uh he's a last player off the board in best balls that i have my eye on so he could bounce back last year was bad
0: yeah i definitely agree with you there uh, all right so we got some bounce backs let's wrap it up here james with some late round darts we did it with the running back spot as well just some players uh we're getting real deep now. Wide receiver six, seven, maybe even deeper in some cases. Who are some guys? Whether it's some of these deeper rookies, you're going to take a chance on the hit early, or maybe, uh, you know, just a player that's sort of flying under the radar.
1: Maybe it's a breakout with Sky Moore. Maybe it's breaking out with Tyquan Thornton. Um, those are two guys. Maybe in best balls, you know that. Well, I don't know if it's wide receiver hundred, but we're getting close there. A guy like Corey Davis, who's a veteran who uh, might find a rapport with Aaron Rodgers, who likes veterans. Like, I think there's a chance that there's something between those two when it's all said and done. And the Jets uh, have moved on from Mims. They've moved on from Elijah Moore. So, I mean, and they've they've kind of given the, the nod of approval to Corey Davis. So, he's a player that I'm putting in that list right there, too. Um, yeah. I think I mentioned Tim Patrick as well.
0: Yeah, I I, I definitely like a lot of those same guys. Uh, a couple other names i'll add to list romeo dobbs we talked about how i liked watson he had that stuff dobbs could end up being even the guy i mean we talked to uh bill uber on our serious xm show and he's like yeah i mean watson's gonna probably lead him in touchdowns and the big plays and maybe yardage but i mean his bet his money's down on dobbs being the team's leading receiver Mm -hmm. and uh you know i mean he's going in outside the top 60 at receiver in a lot of these drafts so I think he's a sneaky play as a guy that could go late and really become more of a weekly part of your lineup potentially. Uh, So that would be a name I would identify. You you threw out Sky Moore. I think that's a good one because it's his second year. But Rasheed Rice, uh, somebody outside of Kelsey and maybe Kadarius Tony, is there a secondary piece? I'm I'm anxious to see what folds there. Gabe Davis was a disappointment last year. He, I didn't want to draft him last year where he was going by the end of it, but now he's, I mean, the farther down he falls, James, and it's sort of like Cortland Sutton, uh,
1: especially with the digs disgruntled, you know, situation.
0: Yeah. So those are some names. And I know we've talked about teams that don't have much, but I think he's beyond just the team and opportunity. I think the guy's actually talented. I like Nico Collins. The draft advisor gives him over two rounds of value uh, based off of his current ADP. And, I'll add DJ Shark's name to list. I mean, everybody forgets about how young DJ Shark is still. He's 26. The dude's battled injuries. And I realize it's been inconsistent. But we're all, I mean, yeah, Adam Thielen's great. And they added all these weapons. But, I mean, it's conceivable that DJ Shark emerges as the top receiver in Carolina.
1: Certainly is. It certainly is. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of there. I mean, you mentioned Carolina-Houston somebody on those teams is going to be fantasy relevant. They're going to catch enough passes, get enough yards, that they're going to be a starter-worthy player several weeks of the fantasy football season.
0: Yes. We'll revisit Deep Sleepers with an entire episode of the podcast in August. So you'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes because it could be the difference in you winning this year. You can listen wherever you go. We've got it out there at Google, uh, Spotify, Apple, to name a few, insiderfootball.com. Of course, get the draft advisor there, too. You can get a free trial of it. Catch us on Sundays over on SiriusXM, Saturdays all season long, Sundays in the summer as well, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, Channel 87. And, James, uh, any final thoughts here on the receivers before we call it a wrap?
1: Uh, if you don't get one early, you better get one late. And often, uh, I said tongue in cheek because you just need, you, it is a position you cannot ignore. And because of the fact there are no like handcuffs and stuff, it's not a position that presents a lot on the waiver wire. So you really need to draft this position. Well,
0: yes. And especially don't take that second kicker or that second defense or that second quarterback in leagues where you only start one and there's plenty available on the waiver wire stack up on the wideouts, man. Get wide drunk like James. Yes, sir. And we hope to see you in the draft room soon. For James Adams, I'm Dan Claskins. We'll catch you next time right here on the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast.